2: The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast.
3: Welcome to episode 179 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sport Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network. And also for Attics, back with another summer podcast, as things ramp up, obviously the transfer window, has been open now for... Uh, there hasn't been much going on in terms of incomings to, to Goodison Park, uh, but we have seen in recent days the movements of players out. So we, we've discussed already players whose contract ended that weren't renewed and, and have left, um, but now we have seen movements of, of players to other clubs bringing in and freeing up some much-needed funds, it seems, and the the best piece probably to start is with the uh, the transfer of of Ellis Sims. There was there was a lot of talk around Ellis Sims potentially being part of a deal to bring in Jocherres from Coventry. Uh, he appears to be off to sport in Lisbon. That's that's pretty much over the line. There was then talk uh, about him potentially going to Swansea, um, and then obviously we we got word late last week that. Covency are going to sign him, but obviously in its own in its in its own right, uh, the deal said to be worth up to eight million pound with add-ons, uh, but I think it was three point five million pound upfront is is what we've what we've heard through I think through sort of covency media more than anybody else as per usual. the The fee was was undisclosed, but I think from a, an accountant perspective, I think it goes down as eight million pound on the books from what I understand. Uh, but, Lee, thoughts on that, first of all, in terms of Ellis Sims. You know, we when we sat down at the end of the season and we were looking ahead, You know, he was one of the names that we probably all thought would be moved on. Obviously, he score, scored the goal for Everton against Chelsea, a really important goal in a 2 olds draw at Stamford Bridge. Do you think it's the right move for, for Ellis Sims to, to go in and cut his teeth now permanently at a, at a championship club?
1: I think it's a good move for him. I, I really do. I, I mean... Let's be honest, Everton curtailed his, his, his loan spell, didn't they? What was 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 actually proven to be a pretty decent loan spell in the championship anyway, wasn't he? He was having a good he was having a good um, a good run. And he was playing pretty regularly, was scoring goals. Um the whole point of an actual loan, isn't it? You know what I mean? Uh, in the first place. And then due to our utter mess and desperation, we decided to bring him back because obviously we couldn't sign, even though we'd sold Anthony Gordon. Uh, as well as obviously Salman Richarlison in the summer and everything else, we still haven't brought in, you know, a striker. Um, I don't think you can describe Neil Mopé as a striker in my books, but that's another story. But we were clearly desperate. Um, we ended his loan spell, brought him back more as cover than more than anything else. And I felt sorry for him because he didn't really get much game time, did he? Um, but you just mentioned that, you know, he, he will be remembered fondly from most, most Everton fans, if not all Everton fans, for for that for that equaliser against Chelsea, um, which was you know a big big part in keeping us in the Premier League, there's no doubt about it. You know that that in the end was a crucial point at Stamford Bridge, and I know I know Chelsea were nowhere near the force as they have been in previous years, but you know it was still a very very important game going there uh, to Stamford Bridge that night. And and let's be fair, it wasn't just a tapping either, was it? I mean, it was, it was a hell of a goal. He showed, he showed what ability he's got there. He's he's a kind of a strange player for me in the fact that he looks like he should be a big number nine, but he doesn't really have much of an aggressive bone in his body, really. Um, and he's not really, really, really good in the air either, is he? Um, and then he's not incredibly quick, but then all of a sudden over five yards, um, you know, as he showed Koulibaly there, and then shrugged him off um, and then slotted it in the corner. Uh he showed there in that little little sort of glimpse what he's capable of. Um and I think you know, let's be honest, all in all, he probably is championship level, if we're being honest. And, you know, I'm not being funny, if I was him right now, I wouldn't want to be you know in the mess that is Everton football club. Imagine he's kept on. He's probably barely gonna get a game if not if, if only as cover or in, in maybe cup games and things like that. Maybe the odd substitute appearance. It's a good move. It's a good move for him. And I think for us, eight million quid is, is you know, because we're so desperate for cash in the coffers right now, is is a good figure for us as well. So it's, a, it's a win-win scenario for me.
3: Yeah, and I, and I think you're like right, obviously, in what you said, you know, in terms of his game time, his game time was limited for us. And we thought, we, we discussed it quite often, You know, the second half of last season when Sean Dice came in, we thought maybe he should have been given more of a chance in games outside, because obviously he started the Merseyside Derby and he? he started at, at Old Trafford, and we thought give him a, give him a start at home, a good you know, against the so-called lesser side. Uh, when obviously you know we saw Neil Ope getting the nod when there was no do, uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin didn't happen. So quite clearly, I think the manager didn't particularly fancy him to, to do a job for him. So obviously the, the move does not come as a, as a surprise. The deal, I think, the overall fee is a good, obviously overall fee from an accounting perspective. It's not a great deal of money, you could argue, as an upfront amount. But in the in the situation we find ourselves in at the moment from, from a cash flow perspective, it's every every you know, every penny counts. And hopefully that will then allow us to, to then start to make moves, which we will come on to in a minute. But Ellis Sims obviously out the door, unexpected. And something which which we did all think would happen. And hopefully, we wish him all the best. You know, we we'll keep a close eye on what he does next season. at Coventry, you know, a side he did really well last season. Just couldn't get over the line, could they? So so close to, to promotion, promotion, um, losing out in the playoff final. So I expect him to to have a have a strong season, and I think that that, that will be his level. But it will help him to develop further. Like you say, the attitude of the kid. He, he got called recalled from loan. Was doing well at Sunderland. They were they were uh, obviously not too happy to lose him. And, and he did his bit, didn't need to keep us in the Premier League, which was which was really important. But another another play out of the door, um, and this has become a little bit of a of a theme in terms of what what we're hearing, especially is that Everton obviously open to sell anybody for any for, for the right price, really. Um, but academy players and, and the younger players also seem to be uh, in the in the spotlight at the moment in terms of potential outgoings to bring in a little bit of money to help us. Uh, in, in our quest to, to sign players for the first team. And and that's that's uh, Ishii Samuel-Smith, who's just moved to, to Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Highly, highly uh, rated young fullback. back um, He's had a couple of occasions last season when he was on the bench as well. Um, and I think if he would have come on against Bournemouth, he would have become Everton's youngest ever player. Um, so he, he's highly thought of. Um, but signed for Chelsea for £4 million, which is a big fee for a seventeen-year-old lad who obviously hasn't appeared for the first team, like we say, his reputation is very, very good. Uh, a lot of sides him very, very highly. Uh, but that move quickly, didn't it? You know, it came out sort of the, again the back end of, of this this week, sort of Thursday, uh, that he was going to be making the move to Chelsea, four million pound. It shows us where we're at, doesn't it? If we're, you know, once upon a time. You would you'd be looking to keep hold of your your uh, potential future stars from the academy, looking to bring them through, give them a pathway. What we've seen is, you know, we're, that Everton now are, are very very open to moving players on and getting decent fees for them. Um, now some will argue that because of the talent that he is and because of the the reputation, the potential that he's got that four million pounds is a snip. What 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 are your thoughts on that, Lee? Because obviously we haven't seen a great deal of him at all. You know, we, we don't sit here and say, you know, we, we watched the under twenty ones on a regular basis. I've seen him a couple of times last season. I, I thought he was decent. Players, are, uh, sorry, other other fans, supporters are probably better, better suited to to give probably an opinion on him and better placed. But what you what's, your, what's your, your thoughts on that that kind of sale for that kind of money for a seventeen year old kid? Mm-hmm.
1: Now, this one, compared to Sims, doesn't sit right with me. Um, and, and the main reason is, is it's just, uh, it stinks of um, short-termism. You know what I mean? It really does. It, it shows you the plight that we're in, that we're prepared to get the stars from our academy, uh, the emerging stars. And from what I've heard from different sources, um, is that this kid's a special talent. You know, he was the only kid. He's a he's he's not a scouter, he's a man, lad, isn't he? That we've we've obviously managed you know, we've nurtured through the, the the system. Um he was the only lad that was nominated in the um the team of the, the team of the tournament, wasn't it? I think was it the under 18s I think it was under 18s was wasn't it? Uh for England. He was the only English player to be nominated in that. Um and as I said, you know, the, the the words behind the scenes that you know this kid could go all the way, all the way in terms of being a Premier League footballer. Also, mate, left back, you know, we're not exactly blessed in that area right now, are we? You know, haven't had, you know, arguably, uh, certainly in Leighton Baines and in in snippets in Lucas Dean, two very talented left backs in, in, you know, the last few years. Um, We all know Mikalenko isn't really, um, for me, isn't really up to the required standard. Defensively, yeah, he'll do a job for you, but for me, I've always said it, he's, he's almost like a left-footed Wan-Bazaka, isn't he? In the fact that in certain games where you're just going to be defending for the majority, yes, it would be good to play, but when you want him to do something in, op- in the opposition side of the pitch, he doesn't really offer you very much at all. So you know, I'm not saying this kid would have just walked straight in ahead of Mikolenko, I don't think so, but like I said before, it just stinks of short-termism and Look, well, Chelsea are a club right now. I've I've never been a big fan of theirs anyway, with the way they've operated over the years, because, you know, um they've clearly doing kind of almost what City are doing now and, and bought several titles. But right now there's a real muddy waters um around this PIF fund and their involvement with both Newcastle and Chelsea. And that just doesn't sit right with me that the fact they've managed to exit all these players out in a short space of time, the fact they're you know, now bringing this kid on, I-, I-, I can guarantee you right now Chelsea will see this as a, as a way to make a profit on someone. I, d- I genuinely don't think they've got this kid's future going, oh, this kid's going to be the next Ashley Cole. Look, may- he may prove me wrong. He may go on to be a, a top uh, Premier League left-back. But for me, Chelsea see this as a profit-making exercise. You know, you see what they're doing now with this Lewis, you know, with Lewis Colwell, who had a, a-, a superb... Loan spell at Brighton. There's room, you know. He, he looks a real talent. There's rumours now City are bidding thirty million for him, and that's that. That's the way. That's the way Chelsea operate, isn't it? It's it's almost like you know a trading market in itself. You know, how how else can we can can we can we make money? And they'll see it as four million. In our eyes, would be like four million quid. Great, that's money in the coffers. But for them, that's short change, isn't it? So they'll be thinking, can we can we turn this kid? Can we get him out on loan straight away? you know, to a, possibly a Premier League club, let's say he has a good season like Colwell does and all of a sudden he's worth 15, 20 million. And, you know, we're not in the position to do that. You know, we should be looking to do that exercise ourselves. Instead, we're not. Um, you know, and, and and we've sold him, you know, to the highest bidder. And, and and you know, I'm hoping this doesn't come and bite us in the arse because it could well do. It, 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 just, it just shows, like I said before, exactly where we are. We're trying to get as m- many pennies and pounds in the pockets right now to be able to to be able to try and scrimp enough money together to go and you know to go and improve the squad and it's it's desperation really, that's what it is, isn't it?
3: It is, it is, and and, and the the short term mentality is very much that. We're, we're in a situation where we unfortunately and, and and terribly so, we can't afford to look too far ahead. Um, because of mistakes of the past, because of the fact that we have to get the stadium finished. So a lot of the, the, the money which has come in for for players in, in say, the last 12 months or so, obviously we've seen some big money moves out of the club. Obviously Anthony, Anthony Gordon being being the most recent one. We've recruited money, for obviously, for Moise Keane, Allison, players like that. A lot of money has gone towards the stadium, is quite clear. So in terms of what we can do in this window, we we are massively, massively hamstrung because from a, a profit and sustainability side of things, things have improved our, You know quite a lot in, in the last 12 months or so since the sale of Richie Allison, Things have improved. So it's not so much the fact that with the, with the, those guidelines and rules that we can't spend money, it's the fact that money is just not there because it is going towards the stadium and, and we just haven't got that cash flow. That's what it seems. Um, but the, the short term mentality is very much what, what is going on at the club. I think, I think the Sean Dice appointment was very much that, with all due respect to him. And he's did a fabulous job keeping us in the Premier League. But I don't think he was brought in with the intent of, of uh, him being here for say four or five years, in my personal opinion. He could totally prove us all wrong, and, and maybe he does, but that's just my personal opinion on that. But I mean Paddy Boylan's come out this morning with it with on in the Athletic and, and we hope in the second half by the way that, that Paddy should be joining joining us for, for a chat, which would be interesting obviously to get some to get his take on what we've been discussing in the first half. Um, but the short term mentality is very much that and and I think you know looking at obviously beyond now the players that we've sold up to up to this point and, and money we've saved from players you have left on obviously uh, since the contract have ended, Jerry Mina. Obviously, Connor Cody, Andros Townsend, those kinds of players. Azmir Begovic. A lot of money is being saved in Waders as well. But the latest player that we've been linked with, and this seems to be gathering pace in the last sort of twenty-four hours or so, is is Ashley Young. Happy birthday, by the way, Ashley Young. Thirty-eight today. Just want to get that one in there. Um, <laughs> but but he is he's a player who, obviously, Aston Villa the last couple of seasons, in Milan, Manchester United. Villa previously, um, and and he's a player who has, has had a fabulous career. You know, he's a utility player. He's done particularly well, I think, in terms of the fact that he obviously he's won few throughout his career. Um, yeah. But what what's what's your take on on that, Pete? As you just appear in the bottom corner of the screen, Ashley Young, free transfer. It it does appear to be to be fairly close. It was talked that he was actually floating around Finch Farm for quite a bit last week. Um, we obviously haven't got a great deal of money. He's turned thirty eight as of today, as we record on the Sunday. What's your thoughts on on that deal? Are, are you happy with it? If it means that the funds that we do have go into attacking positions, well, I I think
2: you've you've kind of answered the question. I I'm happy with it. Depending on what on what it is, because I, th- I think I joked to you to you boys yesterday. If it's we've signed Ashley Young and there's 24 hours of the window to go, are we going to bring in a striker to um, to compete with Dom or as backup for Dom? Then that that's catastrophic. If it's you know we've made a shrewd move early on for a season pro, you, you know who actually played despite his age played a great deal of football last season. They can offer cover. Either side at fullback, it could be a really, really smart move, um, and it, it, you know it could really help the squad. So I guess at this stage, we're you know we're very much in the dark, aren't we? You know, like we were saying on um, one of the recent pods, we're, we're kind of going into windows now with actually very little clarity on on what's possible and what our position is. There's there's just so much unknown around the window, um, but the, the sources seem. Seem very very strong. Um, There's kind of multiple reports that, that you know this is essentially a, a done deal now that we're uh, we're just waiting to be announced. But yeah, I think time will tell exactly what it is. Is it is it a shrewd move or is this a, a desperate scramble?
3: See, see, for me, I mean, I'm I'm not totally averse to it, just given the fact that we've lost players with experience. And obviously Connor Cody and Yerry Mina. So in terms of the the leadership group, as the as to tend centre you've got Seamus Coleman, James uh, James Tarkovsky and, and Jordan Pickford. But we do need a bit more experience in there. Aston Villa fans, they they, they were grieving about Ashley Young last season. I think I think thirty one appearances he made. Is um, it twenty nine in the Premier League? Twenty three starts. He was in he was in the squad thirty eight times. Obviously very very fit. They, they raved about him, absolutely raved about him. Now, some people would say, "Well, why didn't you give him another, another year?" Then, they're on a slightly different trajectory than we are. Let's let's get it right. Um, but from an experience perspective and what he can bring, I'm not totally averse to it. It's you know someone who can play left and right back can also play, you know, in a wide position on on the left and right hand side as well in, in a, uh, an attacking perspective. But 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 Lee, what what is your thoughts on Ashley Young? I say Pete's given is I've I've given mine. It it's a funny one, isn't it? Because this is where we are, unfortunately, in terms of finances.
1: Yeah, I I am in agreement with, with with you boys, really, on this one. And an initially when you first find out the news, you're thinking, Oh my God. You know, when you see the likes in Newcastle going after Harvey Barnes and people like that, and then you know, players that you would have in a heartbeat at Everton, you know, um, you're thinking, oh, you know, we are scraping the barrel here. But when you actually you know take that emotion out of it and look into it, it's actually, you know. For me, it's kind of a shrewd sign in a way. He can play left back. He can play right back. He seems to be a fit lad. He stays fit. He looks after himself clearly. He's got a good attitude. Um, I think he'll be more, well, I, I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I think he'll be more sort of Gareth Barry as a season pro um, and maybe have that sort of impact. Well, you'd, you'd be hoping so anyway. Um, uh, then, than, than, you know, other players we've brought in of a certain age in that area who've been an absolute waste of time, haven't we? Do you know what I mean? So I think, I think it will prove to be a shrewd coverage. I mean, look, you, you've got to remember, I think they expected Tom Davis to sign the contract as well. And Tom's, a, you know, you'd say a versatile player, isn't he? he can play across at various positions, can cover certain positions. You'd probably say that the same now with Ashley Young. So, you know, with Tom going out, have they then thought, look, we need someone who can play you know, multiple positions, not just obviously. You know, where he has done in in uh, the last end of his career at fullback, but also you know, if you need him to do a job in midfield, he could probably do your job in midfield as well, couldn't he? Either playing left mid or right mid. So, you know, I think what they've done, by all accounts, he's been there for you know a few days, maybe you know at Finch Farm or a week. I think Dice will have had a look at his fitness, you know, and, and seeing you know as he as he got it in him to play another season in the Premier League, and you know, by the sounds of it, they clearly think he has so. And that leadership point's an important one for me, Mike. Um, losing the likes of Cody and Mina, who from the outside looking in, doesn't take a genius to work out, were probably two very strong characters in that dressing room. Um, and I, I was quite vocal about Cody going. I know he, he sort of split the fan base towards the end, but I, I would much rather have kept Connor Cody and shipped out someone like Michael Keen and got a fee for him, um, uh, and even Holgate for that matter as well. Um, he will do a good job at Leicester because he's, he's he's a real character. And you know, for me now, you look at that changing room. You'd, you'd probably say, Seamus Coleman, possibly Tarkovsky, uh, um, are the only real natural leaders now in that in that squad. And we all know, you know, before the likes of Cody and and, and people like that, how how fragile we were mentally as a squad. Anyway, so losing those two characters. Is a biggie, and that's what Young brings you as well. You know, he's, he's clearly a vocal lad as well. He's played obviously at the highest level at Man United as well. Um, so, as I said, it could prove to be a shrewd bit of business. Almost, like I said, almost a little bit Gareth Barry-esque, couldn't it? Even if we just have him for a season.
3: Yeah, it could. It could, and you know, let's see how it progresses over the next the next couple of days or so because it's uh, it, it certainly gathered pace as of, as of yesterday. Um, so we'll we'll see where where that goes. Um, if if it's if it's obviously uh, going to happen, it it should be the early part of next week. But just to sort of ground off this this first half, because like like I said earlier, we're hopeful that that Paddy Boylan will be jumping on for the second half. Um, in regards to uh, attacking signings, there still appears to be quite a bit of noise around Rodrigo, probably more than anybody else in terms of obviously the, the player from Leeds he's got it he's got a very very small release clause in terms of you know the modern football i think it's just over three million pound now a player who's who's 32 years of age and um, but did score i think 15 goals last season which is is a, is a tremendous tally i think for, for any player let, let alone a player playing in a side like leeds united who like like us mm-hmm. in a relegation battle um, weren't, weren't particularly you know far on all cylinders for for a large part of the season. Had numerous managers as well over the course of last season. What's your take on that, Pete, in terms of potentially getting him in? Because there's a little bit of talk around maybe I think uh Qatari clubs are looking at him. Um, he's got a decision to make, and you however, they're definitely in the mix for him. Uh, there's, there's, there's definitely it seems to have been an offer made to Leeds United and to, and to Rodrigo. Would you, again. Short term, it's a short term option, short term mentality. Would you be happy with that deal with him coming in, given his his pedigree in the Premier League?
2: Well, it's an interesting one because, as, as you say, he ticks ticks lots of boxes. You know, he, he's a finisher. Um, he's been consistent now in the in the Premier League for for what three years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he he is a top level player, and he he's got work rate as well. He works hard. You know, he's come from a Leeds team that are used to having to defend. He puts a shift in whenever I've watched him play. You know, he's always present. He's always a threat. So, and also, yeah, he can play up top, but he can also play in that 10. And I think um, that tends to be, I know, like you said, that Leeds have had several managers, but that that tended to be where he played more often um, than in that kind of central role. So I think for us, if Rodrigo is the player that's going to be back up to Dom or competing with Dom, I'm not sure because we're so reliant on Dom's presence, Dom's aerial ability, his ability to hold up the ball, his ability to be aggressive, to be a player that can, you know, occupy two centre halves. And I'm not sure whether Rodrigo would give us that. If if Rodrigo would be a, another option, you know, for a different style of play or someone that could potentially play ju- just off Dom. Because you know you've got the work rate in him, and also you've got the attacking quality. Um, um you know potentially Decore can play deeper, or Decoray can have a slightly different role for us. I think it could be a brilliant signing. I could be exactly the type of signing we need because, you know, you you look at our our team in terms of attacking threat. How often have we spoke about how reliant we became after Dash came in on Dwight McNeil, for for that bit of quality. Um. And that you know, for whatever reason, Demarvi Gray seems to have fallen out of favour, and you've not got the same level of performance out of Demarvi Gray. Um, perhaps because he's you know he's not not favoured quite in the same way as he was by Frank Lampard by Sean Dyche. So we we need more quality in the attacking third, but it has to be for me in and around Dom, as well as as well as um, competition for Dom and strong competition for Dom.
3: Well, I think obviously he's, just, he's obviously just one player, and a player, like you say, who's versatile. He can play as a, as a central striker, he can play as a tank, can play on the right wing as well, which, which is the all, all positive things. So I think, given our, our predicaments, we need players who can play in a variety of roles. We mentioned Ashley Young in terms of his versatility. James Garner, we saw at the back end of last season, you know, fantastic, ball the way, both him and Jared Brantway picking up the under 21 European title. As well for England and we saw James Garner playing right back there. So these kind of players who can play in a variety of positions will be helpful for everton. And if you can get someone in, like we said, who's come in, like you said, PC's played three seasons in the Premier League, lead sign for big money, big, big money. It was around about sort of 25, 26 million pounds, 30 million euros. It's a big, it's a big sign. Um, and you it, you just think that having someone like him who knows the Premier League. Who's a goal scorer? He's, he's shown that he was versatile. Could could be a, a really good signing for a small amount of money. When obviously we are we are sort of scraping around. and given the fact obviously we mentioned at the start of the show the sales of, of Ellis Sims and and uh, Samuel Smith as well, which has given us a little bit of of money to sort of play with. This is the sort of ballpark that we we're, we're sort of fishing in at this moment in time. So. It's, um, again, you know, thing, things I'm sure will change. But, you know, with this money coming in at the back end of this week, you would expect to see, well, you, any normal club you would, you would expect to start to see movements in terms of incomings over the next sort of seven days or so. Because I'm sure Sean Dyson I is very, very keen on getting players through the door. Obviously, we're, we're, we're heading over to the uh, for, for that game and a bit of a training camp. Over on the the French-Swiss border, so I'm sure he's going to want to get players in as quickly as he can, even just taking one or two over before we get the international lads back. So just get a little bit of fresh blood in, make everyone feel a little bit better, make him feel a little bit better as well as as manager. That he's got new players to work with, and, and he can look to to improve things in terms of um, the playing side of the club, and we can then look to obviously have a have a solid a solid pre-season, but. There will be other names brought up, other names mentioned, other players will come out of nowhere. We don't know what's going to happen with, with further outgoings as well. You know, there, there are, as I said at the start of the show, Everton seems to have, have a price for everybody. So, and Everton are probably willing to sell anybody if if the right money comes in. Uh, Mason Holgate mentioned yesterday that maybe Everton will will look to move him on. Uh, he was linked with a with a low move to uh, to Sheffield United. The, uh, going back about sort of seven, ten days ago. You, you want to sign and recoup transfer fees for players to help us out, to be honest with you. We've got the likes of obviously Andre Gomez coming back in. What do we do with him? Deli Ali's come back to, obviously, to Finch Farm. He was, he was there the first day of pre-season. What do we do with him? Um, so there's a lot of conversations, a lot of work to be done, a long way to go in the window. But we've we said this on the last show, we can't afford to go into that first game of the season against Fulham. And be in a worse position as a as a as a playing squad. We've got to go in there and be competitive. We can't afford to throw away points and throw away games before that transfer window closes and, and do deals really, really late. You know, we've we've got to try and get some work done as early as we can. But fully expect things to to kick on as as this week goes on. But a fellow who might be in the know is is Paddy Boylan, as I say, he should be joining us for this, for the second half. So we'll be back after this uh, after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of this week's Unholy CNC podcast. And delighted to say, joining me for the second half, uh, as we've lost, we've lost Liam Pete to uh, extracurricular activity, should we say, is uh, is athletics. Paddy Boyle and Paddy, how are you on this Monday morning?
0: Yeah, I'm all right. How about how things with
3: you? Not not bad. You know, obviously the the Everton the Everton circus continues. Um, it's always always fun and games, and and obviously it's it's proven to be a a, a difficult. Transfer window, um, yeah. up to date really, um, and it's great to, to have yourself on because obviously an article that you that you put out yesterday on the Athletic covers what we'd like to have a mm-hmm. bit of a bit of a chat about. So let's jump jump straight in. We covered in the first half with the with the other with two lads in the rega- you know in regards to the fact that Everton have sold a couple of players. The back end of last week, Ellis Sims, and uh, obviously Samuel Smith, who's gone across to Chelsea, the young seventeen-year-old fullback. Um and your article touches on this uh, in regards to obviously those players going, obviously Anthony Gordon going in January mm-hmm. and the money that's coming from from Academy Academy players. Yeah. Just to sort of fill fill people in. For for people obviously Everton fans who, who look at the window so far, look at the fact that there's been no movement in terms of incomings, but we are starting to see players leaving now for some, you know, some amounts of money. Um you said in the article, it's fair to say now that Everton are sort of looking at the shorter term in in an effort to well to almost survive. That's how it seems. That's how it seems. I okay. mean, would you would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, and um, I'm not sure that's because of any overarching vision for the future of the club. I actually believe that a lot of the kind of the current incumbents at a football level. So people from maybe Kevin fell well down, would actually want to build steadily over a long period of time. I just think we've gone to a situation now where the financial situation the club finds itself in is such where they're having to recoup as much money as possible, whilst also battling relegation. And that lends itself to this kind of focus on, on on one level Taking what you can for prospects, academy prospects, recouping money there so you don't have to further trim the first team squad. And then I suppose reinvesting that into players that might be able to contribute over a short period of time to get everything everything through this really sticky situation where there's not much money and they are struggling for survival in the Premier League.
3: With, in, in regards to, to the situation, obviously, again, you know, linking back to what you were saying in in your article, do do you think it's pretty much a case at the moment that every single player at the football club, from you know these academy players up to the up to the first team, every single player is is literally for sale almost, and it's got a price.
0: I, I think most of them do. I think, I think think about just about every single one of them will do. And that's actually the case for a lot of modern clubs. I'd say there are very few exempt from that. But maybe there's a little bit more of a necessity on Everton's side because of where they find themselves financially to cash in on assets. So I always see stuff on social media in particular, which which talks about why have we sold player X instead of player Y? And the example here I'd use would be, let's say, Neil Mopai versus Ellis Sims. I think if you surveyed 100 Evertonians and said, who do you want to keep at Everton? Neil Mopay or Ellis Sims? I, I wouldn't mind betting that Ellis would win that quite comfortably, maybe three to one. But in order to sell these players, they've got to have a market, they've got to have interest. And I don't necessarily think it's a case of Everton saying, we don't want Ellis Sims anymore, or we don't want Ishe Samuel Smith anymore. I think it's, a, it's, it's just a simple fact that those players are in demand. Ellis Sims at championship level predominantly, Ishay Samuel Smith more or less across the board because of how highly regarded he was. And when Everton needed to make sales quickly, that's where the interest came from. So is everyone up for sale? I wouldn't go as far as to say that, but what I would say is that I think most players have a price, and that's the case in the modern game, even more so when it's when it's Edison Football Club and you've got this financial predicament that kind of continues to loom large over all their business, both incomings and outgoings?
3: Given the financial side of things, obviously we know what's what's coming up in October in regards to this independent panel um, and, and <laughs> the, the case which is obviously been being, being sent across and brought, brought about by the Premier League. Um, in regards to the, the profits and sustainability side, because obviously as fans, we sit there and we look at, well, hang you know, we sold Richard Allison for big money last summer, which, which paid for, if you want to look at it in a, in a layman's terms, paid for the business that we did ourselves in the, uh, last summer. We then look at players who've who've also gone since then, Anthony Gordon for big money yeah. um, in January, with nothing then reinvested. We've also seen players on big contracts in the same time um, go. So obviously, Hammers uh, has gone in, in recent times. You then see Mina, who's just obviously gone. He was on big money. Conor Cody wasn't on a small, a small wage either. So from a, a profit and sustainability side of things, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, obviously all the talk is we, we've got financial issues, of course. From that side, if we, looked at, if we looked at that in isolation, is it a case that Everton just simply haven't got, say, money in the bank? in in relation to be able to go out and say, well, we can put that, say, a down payment down on player X, um, as opposed to we haven't got money to spend because we're going to potentially be in trouble again from a profit profit and sustainability viewpoint.
0: I think this is quite a complicated answer, so so bear with me. But I, I prefer to see this not as a profit and sustainability issue in its entirety or a, let's say, for example, a cash flow issue in its entirety. And I know people have the various theories as to why Everton are where they are. My cop-out answer is I think it's everything. Uh, I think it's a little bit of everything. I think, in general, the, the kind of language I've used in articles is a club stretched beyond its means in a whole number of different facets and a whole number of different regards. So the first thing is you, you're building a stadium, but at the moment, and this is a £760 million stadium, as Machiri's <coughs> already indicated, uh, and indicated fairly recently. So that's a £760 million stadium that at the moment, at the time of recording this, is not funded. It's not. It, 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 it's funded to an extent. Whatever's gone before has been done out of Machiri's own pocket. But there's been a bridging loan from Blythe Capital, um, Andrew Bell's company, to, to kind of get them towards a point where they can then put their MSP money in and that continues on but what I mean is there's no stadium financing partner right at this moment in time or certainly not one that the club have announced so you've got that situation you've got a an everyday kind of cash flow situation where you look at things being taken out of the club like for example still a very high wage bill even by Premier League standards I think Even a couple of seasons ago, Everton were eighth highest in the league um, around Leicester. So a really high wage bill. You've also then got things like the war in Ukraine and the removal of kind of key sponsors. Talking there about USM and Megafon. Um, COVID. I still think the impact of COVID is being felt financially when you look at some of the accommodations Everton had to make during that period to just get through. When you factor all this into the melting pot, you've got a situation where, as I was saying, you've got a club almost kind of stretched beyond its means. I do think they believe the wage bill is too high and needs to come down further, so that's one thing. In terms of the FFP situation, my understanding was that for the season just gone, 22, 20, 23, Everton felt they needed to make more of a profit on players, and that's why they were looking for quicker sales. That's that's even including Anthony Gordon and Moise Kane. Uh, I think Nathan Broadhead and Niels Kunku went in that same window. And from my perspective, that's purely because you've got a situation where you've still, right at the start of the FFP, the three-year FFP calculation, you've still got a big, meaty loss, which is in part COVID-induced. So you're looking at 100 million or so there the club lost 45 for the year for the season 21-22 when you put those when you aggregate those two sums together on their own before deductions you're looking at 150 million all in and then the, the permitted number by premier league standards is 105. we reported last season that richarlison was well, we reported a big sale needs to be made before June 30th last season. And as we all saw, Richarlison went on June the 30th last season. So that kind of satisfied the very bottom line for that year. As kind of Everton understood it. Obviously, the Premier League got a different view on that. But let, let's see what the Independent Commission comes up with. But what happened there is that we moved into a new financial year in July the 1st. And just about all of Everton's summer business was done from that point on. So there you've got substantial fees for on a 30 odd million. You've got Dwight McNeil, 20 million. Neil Mopay, I think the fee that's in the public domain, uh, it's slightly higher than the one Everton actually paid for him, but he's still looking at 10, 11-ish million for him. When you accumulate those numbers together, they are quite substantial. So I think it was still a consideration for the financial year that's just gone and just finished on june the 30th what you can say is that you look at all the money that's come in in those two cycles and everything clearly are in a much better position with ffp than they were a year or two ago and future cycles so for next season on should look much rosier should look much healthier but i think in the short term there's still a focus on bringing in profit where possible as I was saying, you've got the stadium situation, the stadium still needs to be funded. And the very early indications were that, look, a lot of that money for, let's say, Anthony Gordon wasn't available to be reinvested. That was already accounted for. And I, I still don't think, as we record today, Mike, that there's an awful lot of money here for Everton in terms of going out and smashing the window. So it, it, it's tough. I think it's tough. I think it's tough for Evertonians looking at this and seeing the club losing a lot of players, in some cases talented players. I also think it's probably tough for people at the club who are working there trying to make this happen and kind of being told, well, look, we can't be in a relegation battle again because, at the end of the day, the best way to get out of a relegation scrap is to invest in your squad and to bring in quality. Uh, right now, Everton haven't done that.
3: And and that, that brings us quite nicely on to, doesn't it, looking look, at it? potential incomings because as we said at the start and as you've alluded to then, you know, it, it's very, very difficult for Everton. The current landscape is difficult to actually bring players in. And like you say, for us to try and not be in the same situation we found ourselves in for the last two seasons, you would think that you've got to reinvest somewhere to to improve that squad uh, and make us more competitive, even to the you know, to the extent that we have a season where we finish say between twelfth and fourteenth, as opposed to going into the last game of the season. Fighting for your life, you know. We, I'm sure we'd all be fairly satisfied, which is terrible to say, but we be fairly satisfied with the season where we do. You know, we in the last sort of four, four or five weeks, we're not looking over our shoulder thinking, "I'm gone. We've got it. we got to get wins here, and we're safe." That's what I'm looking for. But to do that, like we said, we, we've got to look to try and bring players in and make that squad better and more balanced. I mean, Sean just alluded to this. He still still feels that the squad is is imbalanced in, yeah. in certain areas. Um, you know, we've lost players Let we've already mentioned obviously Yerry Mina, Connor Cody, two two leaders. We've lost a player in Tom Davis, who was probably seen as a cheap squad player and they could have done without losing him. To be to be perfectly honest, probably a player like him leaving hasn't helped things either. But the, the most recent recent names that we've been linked to, well as of today, Ashley Young seems to be yeah. the one Came out of nowhere, really, the sort of the the back end of of last week, didn't he? And obviously out of three, uh, turned 38 yesterday. Um, What what are your thoughts on that, Paddy? I mean, I've I've seen as well Luton have been uh, offered him, potentially spoken to him. Do you think that's something that the club would look to do purely on the the basis of maybe, one, Premier League experience is a leader, and two, a player who, who can play in a variety of positions as well?
0: Yeah, I I think ideally, if you are planning for the future and you are looking to build steadily over time, you probably don't add a 38-year-old utility fullback into the picture uh, because obviously there's a pretty, probably be a pretty substantial wage for Ashley Young, given he's just come from Aston Villa, another club that pays massive wages. So that's the ideal situation. But as we all know, and as we've already discussed, I don't think this is an ideal situation, and, and kind of far from it. You talk there about the squad and the work that needs to be done on it, and I think what we've got to realise here is that in just about every department there's an issue to solve. So you go through and you look at the goalkeeping situation, and you've lost a very steady, reliable number two in Asmir Begovic. Do they promote Jarrod Virginia? Do they? Look to give Andy Lonergan a bit more time. What do they do there? Do they look to bring in another number two? And uh, as, as I understand that, they've looked at all of those options, particularly do they promote Virginia or do they bring somebody in? You've then got a situation in defence where Seamus Coleman's on his way back from injury. You've got Patterson at right back. James Garner could kind of play there. So you could muddle through a right back, in my opinion. But you've lost two centre-backs in Cody and Mina. Mina, as we know, had a massive impact in the second part of the season to help keep Everton up. I think that's one of the things that helped Everton edge over the line, to be honest. Uh, massive presence whenever he's there. Massive presence, presence in the dressing room. And Connor Cody likewise, but with the first half of the season. So have lost a couple there. I think the rest of the cohort's not particularly strong when you look at the central defensive options. Bruntwaite I think, is a real prospect and there's a lot of excitement about what he could do uh, Tarkovsky's steady enough. Um, but some of the others there you're kind of a bit unsure about. And then you go on to left back where there's only one kind of there's one left back at the club in the upper echelons at senior level in Nikolenko. And there's there clearly needs to be something there. And they will look at the options at left back. So Young kind of presents himself as this kind of utility man that could probably play in two or three of those positions. And they'll almost certainly value that leadership, that versatility. The ability to, I would say, deliver a, a, a good ball into the box, which is kind of a fundamental of Dyche's footballers as, as we know. And that's before we get into other parts of the pitch. So uh, I think it's a legit link. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure there is interest in Ashley Young as as, as with other clubs who have also spoken to him. Whether or not he's the one they go for, or whether or not he would even agree to join, I don't know. Um, I think that's still to be decided as we record, but I think he's one name in the frame to kind of fill a squad berth, and it would be filling the squad berth on relatively low, for relatively low cost compared to some of the other options. If that kind of signing, a utility man that can cover Mikolenko, Patterson, Coleman, et cetera, if that kind of signing gave Everton the wiggle room to do more in the attacking third, where I think they really need it, then I think that's probably a compromise I'd take personally, looking at it from, from my perspective on the outside, uh, because I do think fundamentally the, the side last season failed most because it it was lacking in threat, it was lacking in goals. Quite often we were looking at where the goals were going to come from, even. And in the end, they kind of muddled through with kind of a worldie here from Coleman, a worldie there from Di Corre, the defenders mucking in with, with, with some goals from set pieces. And quite evidently, there needs to be more across the front three or two. Mm. Uh, so I, th- I still think that's the priority position. What I'd also say is, if they were to lose Onana from the midfield after Davis, you're probably also looking at them needing to do something there in in the central midfield too. You leave yourself quite quite light there. So there's a lot of moving parties, a lot of moving pieces. Not a lot of budget, and I think that means. That you are likely to see links to some of these kind of these players on, for frees or loans that might help free up room elsewhere.
3: Yeah, I, 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 I yeah I totally agree. I mean, obviously, and on the Onana point, if if we did lose Onana, it does does create a bit of an issue. And you know, I know people, and we have said that ourselves, we <laughs> look at okay, what could get you a quick profit? Really, after one season in the Premier League, he had a lot of suitors. Before he signed for the club, but obviously West Ham were heavily linked. He was close to West Ham. You look at it now; West Ham have been mentioned again. You know Chelsea, you know Arsenal, Declan Dice is on on the brink of, of being announced there. United, you know a, a lot of these clubs are being mentioned. So he's a player who you would think we could make some quick money on. However, there is this this obviously this sell-on clause, so so much would go back to Lille, so that eats into the profits. But then it leaves it leaves a hole when you still try to obviously uh, get some deals done for those attacking positions and i mean they obviously the the, the attacking third is is the biggest issue it was last season you know we we had the issue obviously with dominic calvert lewin we know how good he is on his day when he's fully fit he showed that when he came back i think bright away, he was absolutely superb you know what a, what a performance and it's just a shame with, with dom the fact he's had so many issues however it's got to be said he's put the work in pre-season he went over to germany um obviously to do some work over there in this in this special the special clinic and um he is putting the work in but obviously that central striker position the, the wide attacking positions are key and, and we've seen a lot of links to leeds players haven't we at them you know since since the <laughs> the window opened, really um one of them that's been strongly linked and it, it just won't go away is is Rodrigo you know, at Leeds and there seems to be a quite a small release clause there in terms of it's just, it's just over £3 million or £3.8 million, I think. For a player who scored 15 goals last season in the Premier League, has got a wealth of experience playing at, at the highest level. And with, obviously, how small that fee is, is that something that you, that you feel is, is, is it, is it, has got a real potential to it? I
0: think that kind of signing has got a real potential to it. I think that's the kind of deal alongside the loans, alongside the freeze that Everton have been looking at during this period where money is tight. I think with him, the challenge is going to be the low release clause and how many clubs that brings into the fray for him. Because if Leeds were tapping him around for 15, 20 million, then you've got a really shallow pool of clubs that could take him and then pay the wages. But as we know, he's he's, a, he's still a Spain international. He's got goals under his belt at Premier League level. I think somebody who could probably play in a number of different positions for you as well. Kind of leading the line with somebody else or in a slightly more withdrawn role. Bielsa Bizarreli used to play him as a central midfielder, although my personal take on that was that was an experiment that really did not work for Leeds. Um, but there's a lot to like about Rodrigo, even... In that kind of 31, 32 age age bracket, um, so that is the kind of deal I think Everton would be looking at at this moment in time, and I think he's the kind of player that that, that almost certainly would appeal. I, I mean, if, if it, I think that would be a positive step if Everton were to sign him. My, my concern would be the interest, the reported interest, and reported by other outlets, I must say, from from elsewhere in. Rodrigo from let's say for example Qatari and Saudi clubs and what they can pay in terms of wages I mean it was was once the case that Premier League clubs could just kind of basically outbid everybody Mm. and in some cases that's still, still true over transfer fees but the emergence of Saudi and Qatari and other Middle Eastern clubs onto the market I think that means that you've now got a situation where they can offer top top dollar and kind of other incentives like lifestyle and tax breaks and all that kind of stuff so does Rodrigo see himself as being a bona fide Premier League player still he should do or does he want to take a kind of more money on offer elsewhere and go and live the life in Dubai or Qatar for a few years I think we'll kind of have to see there but that's the kind of deal Everton will look at and I think that would be a positive step in this case.
3: Yeah, and as you say, you know, the, the incest from, like I said, obviously, Qatari clubs, Saudi clubs is, is a potential spanner in the way. We've seen it a lot already this summer in terms of what kind of money, not only, by the way, are they paying the players, but what clubs are getting for yeah. for players as well. You know, we've got one year left on the contract. You know, Ruben Re- Neves went for massive, massive money, didn't he, from, from Wolves. Let's talk about Gray, a player who, you know, Sean Dice. Not you know, not particularly. I wouldn't say he favours him. To be honest, I don't. I think maybe the defensive side of 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 his job, he's not particularly too keen on. And we didn't see him a great deal as the season went on. Came back in obviously last game of the season uh, and and played centrally. Um, Obviously, there's this this talk around this this comment he made on on Samuel Smith's um, Instagram post yesterday in regards to his move his move to Chelsea. Do, Do you think that? Uh, you know, he's a player who splits opinion. Demarai Day on his day, terrific, scored some terrific goals. You know, we look back to Man City last season, Arsenal the season before. He's you know he's got he's he's got a, a decent goals He's got pace, and in a side that's got very little pace in Everton, he's a one outlet that we do have that you think could actually do something. And is and is obviously ideal fit for, for the Premier League. Do you think that he is the kind of player going back to? Obviously, Everton moving players on, that Everton will be open to to sell, given maybe the the lack of favour Sean Dyche has toward him.
0: Yeah, I'd be very shocked because what we were saying earlier about the kind of the fan, financial predicament of the club, you add in with Damari Gray that he's not a guaranteed starter under Sean Dyche. I actually don't think he probably will get into Dyche's strongest eleven on paper right now. And I think a lot of that boils down to what Dyche values in a player and the kind of things he wants from each particular position. So from his wide midfielders, he wants real hard work. You look at Awobi, you look at Dwight McNeil. The runners, they get up and down for you all day. And then they've got that thing of getting the ball out of their feet and throwing a crossing. McNeil obviously does it more successfully than Awobi, you'd argue. Whenever they've spoken, and I, I, I mean Dyche and Gray on, on the subject, they've always spoken about kind of Dyche wanting more balance in Gray's game. And I, I, t- I take that personally to me, the extra grit, the extra kind of defensive acumen and solidity. Um, now, obviously, he didn't ever really feature, from what I can remember, in the wide areas under Dyche. It was more or less exclusively as a centre forward. And we know Gray is not a centre-forward, you know, he's a he's a wide player or bust, really. So I think that's another one you look at and you think he's not really got his place positionally in this Everton side right now, at least not under Dyche. And there has been interest. We, we know there's been interest from from not just clubs in the Premier League, but, but much further afield. Um, he's obviously away at the moment. Gray doing very well for Jamaica in the Gold Cup um, and impressing there. So... Whether that brings other clubs to the table, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but just going back to what we were saying about finances, I, I think Everton would listen to offers for most players. Right I say listen, I mean accept, but they'd listen to offers for most players right now. And, and Gray is kind of not really being kind of a fundamental under dice. So I think I think it wouldn't wouldn't shock me massively if he were to if he were to go.
3: Yeah, and 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 the hope is obviously any deals that do get done in terms of outgoing players. From the first team squad are done pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and we're not going into the start of the season waiting to do our business. I think that, that's a major concern, obviously, when yeah. there's not a great deal of money floating around at the club. That Everton throw away two or three games almost at the start of the season because they haven't finalised the squad in terms of bringing they in players.
0: Can't, they can't afford to do that. I, it cost them last season, very yeah. near did. When you look at them, I mean, Neil Mopai joined in late August, but because of a bank holiday, you'll remember, he wasn't registered against Leeds. So I think his first game for Everton, if I'm not mistaken, was actually fell into September. So Everton played the whole month of August without a recognised striker of any kind. It was false nines. It was um, Dwight McNeil came off the bench to do it against Forest, I think. Anthony Gordon did it for a while. (sighs) That could have... You're talking that the points dropped in that period could ended up, could have ended up resulting in Everton losing their Premier League status. And we have to assume that the margins can be relatively tight again. They may yeah. well be relatively tight again. So, kind of time, time is time of the essence. Here. The quicker Everton move, the better. But I think the, the position they've got in, for example, if you take loan deals, most clubs looking to loan players now are first assessing them in pre-season to see whether they can contribute or whether they need to go back into the market themselves. And what we often find with loans is that loans happen towards the end of the window when those clubs have made decisions and they need to get them out quickly. So, editor may still be active towards the end of this window. What they absolutely need is is a few soon to kind of hit the ground running and be fully embedded with Dyche's style. So, there aren't the worries and the issues from last season. So... Let's see. I, I, th- I think there's obviously a timer here and I think the other thing is that fans see the team, the, the squad pictures from them going back to Finch Farm and they notice like they may be missing internationals in the main, but it's a threadbare squad. Yeah, It's a really threadbare squad, so they, they need to do business and they need to do business in an incoming sense as quickly as possible, I'd, I'd argue. Exactly right. Obviously,
3: the first day of pre-season last, last Thursday, you, you, you look around and you, you look at the bodies and look at the first team players, especially obviously there was quite a few of the younger players who were who were taking part in that. And it did look very, very thin on the ground. Like you say, still quite a few international players who have yet to report back. I'd, I'd assume the likes of, of Jordan Pickford would probably be back at some point this week. Um, and you've seen other clubs' international players sort of trickle back um, at the, you know, over the course of the weekend and, and and today, so you know it will look a little bit fuller. But when you've when you've lost a fair few players already, uh, you know, to, with them being out of contract, uh, players going back, obviously Connor Cody going back to Wolves, and obviously being sold so to Leicester, it does look particularly thin. So as a fan base, obviously, where where you get to to see a couple of players through the door, especially given obviously we're, we're off off on on a bit of a a season trip um over the next few days and Sean Dice is going to want to get players in and, and, and give them as long as a, of a pre-season under him yeah. as he possibly can but j- just to finish off Paddy if you were a betting man would you fancy anyone through the door this week?
0: Oh <laughs> uh, well the first thing to say is I'm not a betting man so no, please <laughs> nobody listen to any advice that I give in, in, in a betting <laughs> sense I think we're probably about 50-50 with it and yeah, yeah listen that my Sounds as though it's a cop out, but I, I don't think there's anything that's there ready to be announced right now. I know for a fact they're working hard. They're trying to get people in, as they have been for a while. Um, as I say, I don't think Samuel Smith and Sims going massively shifts the dial with regards to what they can do in a financial sense now for, 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 for new players in the market. Um, but they, things should start to move. I think they should start to move fairly soon. Um, and I hope they do start to move fairly soon because I think it it, it has been a tough start to the summer for, for Everton. I think it's been a tough start to the summer for the fans. You, you kind of you you're hoping against hope that this doesn't happen again, that we don't end up back in another relegation battle. But you've got all the evidence in front of you is looking at it and going, Well, that they're losing more players here and they haven't yet added, so how are you how are you getting out of this? So um, I hope for some positivity soon. Whether or not it's in time for the for, for the pre-season camp over in, uh, in in France and Switzerland, I don't know. What I would say as well is you will start to see some players coming back. Mm-hmm. This is small comfort, small solace. But you will start to see some players trickling back um, from their their holidays. I think people like Gomez and Onana are meant to be back soon. Um, so you you will start to see a more experienced squad in those training pictures, um, but there's a lot of work still to be done on this squad—an awful lot of work—and I think it will probably be pretty busy right the way through from now for me, all the way up to the deadline at the end of August. Yeah, well, we all know it's pretty busy, and it's, and it's
3: pretty busy <clears> in terms of bringing a bit of quality, and that—that's for sure. Uh, because I think the vast majority of Evertonians could not take another season like what we had last season and the season before. Um, so. Fingers crossed yeah, we can yeah. do something of of note and and which is positive and and play as you we can move on and make some kind of money on you know that can aid aid the uh, the cause. But well, Paddy, appreciate you taking some time on a Monday morning to have a chat with us. And um, nice to speak to you. Hopefully you're really busy going forward as well, reporting on the uh, on incoming transfers. Um, but we we uh, we appreciate everyone obviously listening. To the to this this transfer special, we'll be back ourselves as you know. We we put a few more out over the course of the summer before the, the big kickoff on on August the twelfth at Goodison Park. So we'll catch you over the next couple of weeks.
2: The Unholy Trinity Podcast: Three Blues, Three Opinions, One Everton Podcast.